This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens, welcome to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is crazy. Hey, everybody. And if you are here, then you probably know that we have wanted to start this podcast for a while. And I've actually been covering some true crime cases over on YouTube. It started out called, uh, shit, what was it called? Uh, oh, Church Crime Time Tuesday. What? You just then, forgot what it was I called? I <laughs> I totally forgot because I, okay, this is the third time the name has changed. So it started with Church Crime Time Tuesdays. And then I had to take a break from doing all the true crime cases because we moved across the freaking country. And then when I started doing the true crime cases again, I changed it to when religion and crime collide. But then (laughs) when I was like, I want to do, I know, right? When I was like, I want to do the podcast, but I wanted somebody to do it with me. And I felt like when religion and crime collide, it was like a really freaking long name for a podcast. And so Mm. I was like, deadly faith. It just kind of came to me. And so I was like, okay, that's way better. So this is like the third name change. And like, this is the best one though. It really is. I I think it's really good. I think it is. And I've said it to other people. And they're like, oh, that's a good name. I'm like, thank you. I'm probably a little bit biased since you made me the co-host, but you know. Uh, right. And I'm slightly biased also because uh, Lola's over here doing our logo. And holy shit, guys, it is. By the time this comes out, you guys are going to see it. And you're going to be like, oh my God, I get what she means. It's so. I'm trying. It needs to be shaped up so badly. Oh, but... you're going to do so good. Thank it's, you. Like, the concept, I'm so excited. I even showed it to my husband and he was like, oh, that's good. And he even was like, you know, you're going to have to get that tattooed on you one day. <laughs> We're both going to have to get it tattooed. I know. I was like, I would tattoo that on me. Like, hell yeah. But do you have any space left on your body? Because I have room. But do you? <laughs> oh, I have tons. I have tons okay. of room. I've, like, I just have the one arm that's pretty, pretty covered. I still have space, but it's up Aren't your there. legs done? Uh, Are your legs done? Uh, I have I have one leg that like my, my thigh is done with like okay. a big like Harry Potter collage kind of piece. That's what I thought. Yeah. I love Harry Potter. I hate J.K. Rowling. Okay, guys? So don't hate me. But Oh, yeah. We're not. This podcast does not support. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. <laughs> There's there's our other disclaimer. Yeah, and it sucks. I know we're like totally going off topic, but like it sucks. Like my mom loves Harry Potter too. And Aww. we were talking about like birthday gifts or something. And I was, she was like, is this something Harry Potter? And I was like, no, mom, I don't buy any Harry Potter stuff unless it's like Ugh. by somebody that's like Joe Schmo that no yeah. royalties go to J.K. Rowling. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, sorry, not sorry. 
But yeah, no, we will get it tattooed on us one day because it's fucking badass. I'm so excited to share that with you guys. We're going to have to meet in person for that. We're going to have to go together. I know. I know. That's right, guys. We don't know each other in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into that on like how we know each other (laughs) and how we started like strangers on the internet started a podcast. (laughs) I mean... That's what my other podcast was. I I had only met Jason once. And Kyle, I still haven't met. I'm supposed to have a bowl of cereal date with him. And we still haven't met. So (laughs) ain't that just the way? I love that. A a bowl of cereal date. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I let everybody that follows me on YouTube, which isn't a whole lot of you guys, know that things were changing and that we're turning it into a podcast. Um, and some of you have probably followed me on social media. If you haven't, um, I have a TikTok, I have an Instagram, and that's kind of where I've grown over the last handful of years through my deconstruction journey. Um, and I love true crime. And I kind of mashed those two things together, true crime and my religious deconstruction. And I'm just enthralled with true crime cases that have a religious aspect, whether that's pastors who commit murder or cults or anything in between, or even to the little scams and fraudulent schemes of con artists, you know, I'm interested in it all. So I took both of those and I mashed them together. And here we have Deadly Faith. And I really wanted to turn this into a podcast rather than YouTube because one, oh my God, podcasts are so much easier because (laughs) we are sitting here in our PJs. My hair is not done and I look like a bag of hot mess. We look like hobos, to be honest. We We do. We look like two little hobos. (laughs) I welcome it. I mean, yeah, we work from home anyway, so it's fine. Exactly. And with a podcast, you don't have to censor yourself like you do on YouTube. Like there are so many things. Yeah. And I would like start to tell a case and I was like, okay, if I say sexual assault, am I going to, you know, is this video never going to be able to be monetized? And so not really having those worries, I totally appreciate. And I like that. So I was like, fuck this. And, and I wanted to do it with somebody so I could like tell the cases. If you have ever listened to true crime podcasts, especially like one of the most popular out there is called Morbid. And it's with Elena and Ash. Um, Elena and Ash. I don't know if I said Elena. <laughs> Elena and Ash. I was like, wait, I said that wrong. If you're ever listening to this, I'm sorry. I love you guys. They're like my favorite duo where they do podcast or true crime cases together. And so we're going to kind of structure it in the same kind of sense of the way they do it. So one of us is going to be sharing a case and the other one is going to be giving their reactions to it. A lot of these cases, the other one is not going to know about. They're going to know like who the case is, but not necessarily the details unless it's a case they're already familiar with. We're not allowed to go look it up. Yeah. Boundaries on each other. (laughs) Yeah, we are each other's accountability partners. Yes. Oh, that's so Christian of you. Thank you. I uh, know. Thank you. I have to throw that in there. Pray for me. <laughs> so we really want you guys to hear our like real life reactions to these cases. And yeah, it's going to be fun. We are going to start um, the very first, which isn't this episode, next episode, the very first actual true crime case. We're going to we're gonna go slow with you guys um, and start one that's not too diabolical. There's some murder, but it's, 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 it's not too it's bad. It's palatable murder. Gonna, it's palatable. <laughs> that's what I just thought. <laughs> it's, you can... Well, no, I don't want to yeah. say. I almost said it's an acquired taste murder, but that is not at all what. I, no, sorry, that's it's not, just that's, maybe no, yeah. mildly palatable. It's mildly palatable, and you'll understand, especially whenever we get to um, episode two, because Lola is going to take you guys and throw you right off the deep end with, with the one fish. of the most 
with the fish. With the fucking Albert. fish. <laughs> if you've ever heard of the case of Albert Fish, don't go look it up. Wait till next week until Lola can tell you the story. But we're going to throw you up the deep end because that one is fucking crazy. But let's get into telling you guys a little bit about ourselves. For those of you who don't follow me on social media or um, don't listen to Lola's other podcast she co-hosts called, called The Messy Spirituality, which if you don't, you should. So shout out. Shameless plug. I love mm-hmm. that. A shameless yeah. plug. The Messy Spirituality podcast. Go go follow us. Go listen. Yes, yes. Also, okay, I started deconstructing. Well, I guess we should back up a little bit further. Maybe. <laughs> so I threw myself into religion as a kid because my parents, uh, they were great. They, they did the best they could. They had some really rough childhoods and they tried the best they could, but they weren't there for me emotionally. And so I threw myself into religion. And you know how that goes, especially in Texas, you know, a Baptist and all that purity culture and everything. But, you know, that was my worth. And that was where I was like really feeling like that's what you need to do with your life. So I went from one church to another until I found a cult and was like, this is what I need to do. (laughs) And I threw myself into the cult, signed a covenant, wore camo pants and black t-shirts to church service on Sunday because Saturday is the last day of the week, not Sunday. So everybody else got it wrong except for us. You wrong Sunday service Damn. <laughs> churchgoers. <laughs> we were the only true Christians and God was more proud of us. There was a whole lot of shit that happened in there. Oh, I didn't know that. I Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. I, I thought I was the chosen one. <laughs> I thought I was God's people. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought the Church of Christ was God's people. Whoopsie. Right. Don't we all? Yeah. So after um, I finally realized that was a cult, uh, I met my husband. We got married. Uh, they, he, Him and his family really helped me like get out of that. But it's still like Christianity was my comfort zone. So I stuck with Christianity. And I had started to deconstruct a little bit, like specifically abortion and um, there's, oh, uh, homosexuality. But I deconstructed those quietly and I didn't tell anybody that those beliefs had changed because I knew that if I outed myself with those beliefs, I would just get kicked out of the community or at least judged. And I was comfortable and I didn't want to lose my community. So I didn't say anything. And then COVID and Trump happened. And I, through a series of events, started realizing that I wasn't okay with the way Christianity was headed, especially with this whole like Christian nationalist crap. And I couldn't stay quiet any longer. And I started to deconstruct majorly and it made a whole lot of people uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone go look at her TikTok and just look at the comment section for all of her TikToks. (laughs) There's not a specific one. It's just all of them. Well, especially if you go to the way back to like when I very first started posting. Oh man, those comments. You had some hot takes. I did. They weren't ready for those conversations. They were not. I had a whole lot of like, it's not all churches. It's not all Christians. I had a, I had a bunch of that and people trying to save me and or people tell me I'm going to hell or, mm-hmm. or, you know, X, Y, and Z. But TikTok was really the place where I was trying to just find community because I was walking this alone. At the time, my husband wasn't deconstructing and I was trying to respect his faith and his spirituality and walk this by myself. Like I didn't want to make him change his views or his beliefs. I wanted to respect his um, and he tried his hardest to respect mine. And and I think we both did a really good job, but it was very hard 
uh, for for a very long time. And we've both come a long way over the last couple of years. And he's he's changed a lot. He's even deconstructed to a to a point of some extent. We both kind of are like, man, what is spirituality? We don't know. We're still figuring it out. Same. Join the club. We've got jackets. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> so I started sharing on TikTok and I started like finding people who we're on this journey as well. And I realized that by me kind of sharing my story in real time, it was really comforting to a lot of other people. So I kept sharing. And with that, I started growing on TikTok, which was very exciting because one of the things I believed growing up from my pastors was that like I couldn't hear the voice of God and that like I, my voice didn't matter and that I needed to lean on everybody else, what everybody else said and what my leader said. And basically just like, it was their way of like keeping me in the fold. How did they know you couldn't hear the voice of God? Oh, it was so frustrating. It was like when something, I'd be like, oh, I think God is telling me to do this or I should go here. I should do that. They'd be like, ah, God's not telling me that. And because they were the pastor or the the leader, it always made me feel like, oh, okay, well, then I can't hear from God. What's God sound like? Name drop those people. Yeah, I, know, I gotta right? know. <laughs> I gotta know. Where the fuck is the direct? Where the fuck is the direct line? Because I hate that you guys have that direct line and we don't. Because that would be really nice. Mm. <laughs> so I could. I felt like I couldn't hear from God, or that nobody really cared what I had to say. And then I started gaining a, a lot of followers on TikTok, and that was very healing. Because it was like, oh my gosh, people actually care what I have to say, and. um I, with that, was able to find my voice and find my confidence and find my authentic self. And then I saw how many people were really struggling with their deconstruction and their religious trauma. So I went and got certified in trauma recovery. And my focus uh, and specialty is religious trauma. And I've helped a handful of people walk through that um, since I launched my coaching business in March of 2022. I actually have one client who's been with me since like the beginning and I still coach with him mm-hmm. and he is amazing. And it's been so cool to just watch him walk through this healing journey. Hi, client. If you're listening, hi. <laughs> yes. You know who you are. I don't name names because no. it's a part privacy. of our privacy. Mm-hmm. Very, very private with it. But it. it's really cool to me that it's a guy. Like I totally expected more like girls to be my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and But because, you know, guys in general, it's just that toxic masculinity and trying to especially overcome that. Like dealing with their trauma is not manly. And yeah, and especially within Christianity, it's like <sighs> you are the man, and you know, that toxic masculinity I feel like is like a next level within Christianity. So it's just been really cool to to watch that and walk that through and everything. And uh let's jump into Lola and have Lola share her story a little bit, and then we'll get into how we know each other. Oh my god. As strangers on the internet. <laughs> yes. You could be a serial killer for all I know. <laughs> I mean, right? you could be lying about your dog's name. I don't know. What <laughs> What is in your basement right now, Lola? We don't it's know. It's fine. Actually, okay. No, no, no. I can't say that. <laughs> okay, this is stupid. This is stupid. There's a room in my basement. It's underneath technically my front porch, and it's like completely concrete underneath there. And it has like a door opening or like a makeshift door opening. It's always been there. So I bought my childhood home. So ever since my yeah. mother oh. had first purchased it, it's been there. And right as, I mean, the first time we went to go see this house, Jessica, my sister, and I walked into the, <laughs> we walked into the basement, <laughs> saw it. And I think it was her that coined the phrase. She was like, why is there a Holocaust room in here? <gasps> I'm not joking. And I was like, 
Holocaust. She's like, you know where you like would hide people. She's like, why is that here? And I was like, oh, that's not where I went. But like, oh, no, no, no. Like where people would hide. Like I normally, I guess it was an attic, but she was like, like where you would hide people. And I was like, what? oh my God, it's a Holocaust room. Oh God. And then so we ran upstairs and my mother was like, girls, we are, we are in Birmingham, Alabama. There is no, (laughs) there is no way (laughs) that that is what you think that is. But like we were kids and so we we didn't know. So now, but like, we've named it that. So now it's what I call it because I can't call it anything else for some reason. So right. technically that's in my basement, but I promise nothing illegal has ever occurred there. <laughs> nothing else. I push, I store bicycles in there. If it was that kind of illegal where you're, you know, hiding people for their safety. Oh, that's like, fine. More power to you. Like, yeah, break the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck the man. The man with the stupid mustache. With yeah. mommy issues. Oh, anyway, God. we just went oh. right off topic. Okay. So my deconstruction... We could talk about that. Yes. If you want to hear the full story, it's in the Messy Spirituality podcast. I'm interviewed twice. Once when I was in the middle of deconstruction, like, well, kind of at the beginning of it. And then Mm -hmm. a year later and like my progress through spirituality. We'll link in the description. We'll link a few of our interviews with other podcasts like as we've deconstructed. So if you guys want to like dig more into our past, then go for it. I'm going to try to give the briefest overview. So I... I know it's so hard. (laughs) It's very difficult. So ever since I was born, I was raised in the Church of Christ in Alabama. So... Oh, Alabama. Super, super conservative. I mean, we didn't wear like doilies on our head, but we couldn't like eat in the worship hall kind of thing. Oh, wow. It was extremely culty, but I never placed that growing up. It never clicked with me at all. It was normal. Yeah. I mean, I thought all good people go to this church and all good things come from this church. Mm -hmm. I I was misled. I was misled. And uh, so I married some guy that was in the church. He grew up in the Church of Christ, but he was from a different state. We met at church camp. Oh. Where where you're supposed to meet your spouse is <laughs> right. what we were always told. Oh, really? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were told you go to these church camps for and you look for suitors pretty much there. Like the godly oh men that are gosh. stepping up to lead the songs and lead prayer and all that shit. <laughs> I have to I have okay. to interrupt yeah. you really quick because I'm like, oh <laughs> my gosh, this whole like Republican bullshit of like you're shoving like sexuality down our kids' throats and all this. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like in your churches. They want to breed us. You're breeding us. Like you're teaching us how to find a suitor. Like who's the one indoctrinating? Who's the one shoving it down our throat? Oh, ah. Okay, okay. I went off track, but I had to. I had to. Okay, keep going. No, for sure. I mean, Met this guy at church it camp. was a straight up matchmaking breeding ground with all of these church camps and like church retreats and stuff. So it was not, oh. it was not really about the gospel. It was about breeds. <laughs> some more kids so that we can keep indoctrinating to keep the money flowing to keep us alive kind of thing so uh there wasn't a whole lot of good i saw happen like in our community from that church i actually live Mm -hmm. five minutes from that church it's literally like i could walk through my neighborhood to it so no way it's very odd it's weird being so close to it and a lot of my family still go there oh wow I would hate to live in the town that I was a cult, like, you know, in the cult with. Like I, I enjoy uh-uh. it. I enjoy running into those people. 
And them Uh, being able to witness, you know, someone outside of the cult now that is thriving and happy and healthy. And it's like, there's a life outside of this. You can have this. You can come out on the other side and still be okay, you know? Yeah, I can see that. That's kind of how I feel when I like see somebody who like watches my stories. Cause like, there's only so much I yeah. can see what other people do <laughs> on my social media, but I like it when I see somebody from the old days. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like <laughs> you can hate watch me all you want. Like see how good my life is doing right now. I love a hate watch. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> we all do it. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Deconstruction started for me in 2019. I got married when I was 19 in 2017. So I was married Mm -hmm. for about two years. And at a certain point, it became very restrictive. So at first, you know, I had all my freedoms as like when we got married. But the longer that we were together, the more of my freedoms were stripped from me. And a lot of sexual abuse started to occur. But I didn't understand that it was abuse, pretty much. So it was normal. And when I tried to talk about it, church leaders and family said, this is normal. This is what you do as the woman. You do this and you don't complain. You don't talk about it. Oh my gosh. And when, you know, things kept escalating to the point where domestic violence, you know, became the normal. So eventually I started to think to myself, this isn't fair. You know, I held up my end of the bargain I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm working full-time, I'm a student full-time, I'm taking care of the dog, I'm taking care of you, you're sitting on your ass, not doing anything, unemployed, waiting for me Uh -uh. to wait on you hand and foot. This just doesn't seem like my issue anymore. So I got sick of it, and I ended up having a come-to-Jesus moment with him and saying, listen, we need help, we need therapy, we need something. But he didn't want to hear it, so we filed for divorce, or I did, actually. I got to serve him myself. It was nice. I have to ask. I'm going to interrupt you. I know, I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. I want you to interrupt. For those listening, I want you to. I don't know, I don't know Lola's story. And you guys are like, oh my God, you're doing a podcast together and you don't even know Lola's no, story. I mean, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. I know a genre. I know the genre, like like the very synopsis, like what you would read on the back of a book cover to give you the, the yeah. rundown of the story. That's the what I know. Okay, so I have to ask. He was unemployed. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. The majority of the relationship, he he job hopped a lot, but the majority of our marriage, he was unemployed. So were y'all's beliefs of like the man is the head of the household, like he's the breadwinner and stuff, kind yes. of like that. So like, how did that intertwine with the relationship, like? How did he justify him being unemployed? Or was it just like a bad string of events and it was what it was? Honestly, it was with all the job hopping that made it so difficult for him to get more jobs. So like he had put himself in a bad situation kind of. And so he was, I think he was trying to get other jobs, but I don't really know there at the end because yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we were of the belief definitely that the man is the provider, uh, especially financially. And I just couldn't talk about our struggles. Anytime that like I would talk to my sister on the phone or my mom, he was monitoring me to make sure I didn't talk about our issues or like his job or Uh him not doing stuff around the house and locking the dog up and beating the dog and stuff like that. So like, 
Oh my it gosh. Was, How dare you yeah. say anything to tarnish don't, his image? Don't talk to me about my flaws because oh. it makes me feel bad and it makes me right. cry uh-huh. and you're hurting me by telling me the truth kind of thing. Like it yeah. was one of those uh-huh. scenarios, unfortunately. And hey, man, if you're listening out there, I I really hope you do the next girl better. I mean, I really. Right? Yeah. And I hope that you get some therapy. I know, I know you got daddy issues. I know you got mommy issues. I see you. I hear you. Like, I understand. Yeah. Good therapy. It's okay. It's for all of us. We all need it. I'm in therapy. It's very beneficial. I I am too. I'm out here thriving, bud. (laughs) Oh, good therapy. Mm. So yeah, the, with the unemployment thing, it, it was kind of a string of events, but. He was not proud of it, for sure. Yeah, okay. So where was I at in the story? I just forgot. We got divorced. I wanted to date again because I my dream my whole life had been, I want to be a wife and I want to be a mother. And I, mm-hmm. I want a family to take care of. That was my dream. And you know, it still is to mm-hmm. a certain extent. You know, I think yeah. it's one of the most honorable things I, I think a person could be. And I wanted to start dating again. And I brought my new boyfriend to church with me. Oh, no. And I got some looks and I got some people to approach me and be like, hey, you set aside your husband and you had absolutely no evidence of infidelity. Therefore, you're going to send yourself and other people to hell if you try to date. You have to be single forever. Like, this is not, you cannot do this. What? And I was like... That, that is truly their belief? Tr- truly. You have to be single. I'm not even joking. Like, and I had accepted that fate for a while. Like, I ended up just being like, oh, okay. And I thought to myself oh my that God. that was just... you. Like, you got married. You guys fucked it up. That's it. And I thought, there's no coming back from this. I can't... I can't have any of the things that I always wish I could have had. Yeah. But I just kept thinking, this is not fair. I did everything I could. I tried to point him towards Jesus. I worked. I cleaned. I cooked. I did all I could. I tried to reason with him. And I just thought, why was it not enough for me? Like, all of my efforts, why was that not enough for you, God? And you decide I deserve hell because... I suffered. I was a long-suffering wife. I don't care if it was just two years. I was long-suffering. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, that seems weird. (laughs) I ended up reaching out to every single pastor I could get my hands on. And I said, do you think I'm going to hell for this? Am I going to hell for this? Give me something to back up. Like, give me evidence. And show me that I actually am. I was looking outside of the Church of Christ, which was a big no-no, but I was like, I'm desperate for answers. Is this a general consensus? And then the guy at the time that I was talking with and wanting to date and everything was like, hey, you should talk to my friend Jason. I used to play in a worship band for a church that he kind of like pastored and stuff. And I was like, Fine. <laughs> this will be my last <laughs> one because I'm not even joking. It was probably like 25 people I reached out to. And what did they say? Most of them did say, you know, yeah, based on what scripture says, if you didn't find any evidence of infidelity that you could like, bring to light to like church leaders or just to keep for yourself, 
there's no, like, this is it. Some of them had said they weren't really sure about the whole, like, sending other people to hell by dating them or marrying them, but you yourself would be possibly condemned kind of thing. So either way, I was fucked. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys can't see me, but the whole time she's been saying this, my my her mouth is just unhinged. <laughs> yeah. My jaw is on the floor. Like, what <laughs> the actual fuck? Like, this is... Yeah. Wild. Like I, I grew up with the belief, especially like as I, my parents were not religious, Mm -hmm. but I pushed myself into religion. So I didn't get the like heavy dosing of religious teachings as a lot of people who actually like lived it at home. So I was always of the belief that yeah, God hates divorce. But as I got older, that was actually, I think even after I left the cult that I started, like some people were teaching, not teaching me, but like sharing their belief of like, sometimes divorce is healthier for both parties. And I can't see how God wouldn't be okay with that. Like if he truly loves us. And I was like, dude, that's so true. Like it was just a totally new perspective. So the fact that that many pastors even if it was just like half of them, like telling you like, I'm so sorry, but this ancient book written by man says (laughs) you're going to burn in a fiery pit because you divorced your husband because he was a sack of shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. uh, So he says, reach out to Jason. And you're like, okay, fine. One more. Yes. So I reach out to Jason, but I'm not doing the whole like giving my situation and then asking I'm saying, go ahead and condemn me. Just go ahead. You're the last one. Fuck it. Like, this is my situation. Someone told me to message you. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to hell. I'm going to start doing drugs. And like, just, (laughs) I'm I'm really going to hell. (laughs) I'm going to light the candle myself. Thank you. (laughs) And then, you know what? You know what this man meets me with, though? I swear to God, Jason Elam. (sighs) He, He just says to me, I am so sorry that you were told these things. And I just want you to know, right here where you are, you are so loved. And I was like, shut the fuck Uh. up. Shut the (laughs) fuck up. Like, don't come in here with this. You're so loved. (laughs) I'm over here like, oh, and you're like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Well, because I thought it was, I didn't know Jason too. I didn't know him. So So you're like, here we go. He's about to evangelize to me and tell me I'm going to hell. Yeah, But then he met me with the whole like, you know, God wouldn't have wanted you to be in an abusive relationship because of this, this and this. And I was like, oh, I mean, that makes sense. And he said, do you know that hell is not real? And I said, do not talk to me. Do not. (laughs) What is it? Heretic. Heretic. No. Heretic. Get under my feet. He kept presenting all this evidence to me. And he was like, why would a loving God create that for anybody? If if nobody is ever too far gone to come back, why would he create a place that was too far, you know? And it just didn't compute. And then everything in my mind unraveled. Oh. But I tried, I tried so hard to put it back together. I mean We all do, we all do. <laughs> I tried so I was like, I have to go back in the box. I can't do it. Like this is I can't unknow these things now. I can't unknow that hell could not be real. From then it just it became a spiral. Jason and I started talking every day. I became part of the messy spirituality um community on Facebook's messy conversations. It just this whole community was ready 
like they had already cleared a spot at the table for me. Like they had been waiting for me kind of thing. Yeah. And it wasn't to like evangelize me again or try to save my faith or even to just do away with my faith. It was come as you are. Let's figure it out together because we're all in the desert wondering, like we don't know what the fuck's happening. It was literally like meeting you exactly where you're at. And I I freaking love that. And that's so funny that, okay, (laughs) I swear guys, Lola and I have like so much similarities to the point like this is why, okay, when I met Lola, they interviewed me on the Messy Spirituality podcast. And that's where I like officially met Lola. We were Facebook friends because like, I swear this whole deconstruction community, it's like... (laughs) You start friending one and then like... The overlap is so heavy. You get a bunch of people that just start like, yeah. hey, let's be friends. Let's support <laughs> each other in this weird journey. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I've tried to get my kids off of social media, like in the sense of like the pictures I've posted of them. Like I've tried, like as I've got grown bigger on TikTok and stuff, I've tried to get them off my Facebook because it's gotten to the point now with friend requests. If I'm like, if we've got a couple of mutuals, like in the deconstruction me, I'm like, all right. <laughs> Okay, cool. Like I'll confirm. Like I like it's fun to like grow the grow and meet new people. But like me and me and Lola were Facebook friends, and then they asked me to to interview me um, on their podcast. So I came on and they interviewed me. Uh, We can link that in the show notes as well because that was a much recent. That was like what three weeks ago, probably not even three four weeks ago. (laughs) So after that, because I had already started thinking about turning this into a podcast, but I was like, I need somebody that is into true crime and understands religious trauma in order to like really like talk about these cases. And Lola popped in my head. So I messaged her on (laughs) Facebook and said, hey, start a podcast with me called Deadly Faith, where we talk about religious true crime. And she was like, oh my gosh, done. So me and Lola met, uh, we FaceTimed and we were like, just chatting about everything. And for one, Lola and Lacey, like the names just like, they go really well together. It's just so cute. Uh, I know, they're <laughs> adorable. And you guys love them. I know you're going to love them because we love them. <laughs> but not only that, we, uh, you know, we've deconstructed. We both like have tattoos. We're, I feel like we both kind of have that similar like personality of like just very bubbly and out there where our give a fuck is broken. Uh, give a fuck is broken. Yeah. <laughs> like we have gotten to that point where both of us are like, our give a fuck is broken. And then like the day we're FaceTiming, my dog walks in and we had just rescued her from the shelter. Yes, we have to tell them yes. This is the funniest thing. Uh, So I was like talking to my dog and she's like, oh, is it a dog or a cat? And I was like, it's a dog. And I turned my camera so she could see my dog and her face looked like she just saw a ghost. (laughs) And I was like, like, there's nothing weird about my dog. It's so weird. And she's like, oh my God. And she just runs inside of her house. Like, mind you, we're on camera. So like her phone is shaking. She runs inside her house. She goes, I have to show you something. And she turns her camera around. And I swear to you, I am looking at my dog in her house. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, It was like a time warp so, or like a yes. metaphysical anomaly was happening. Because yeah. our dogs look Almost identical. Almost identical. And they're both So girls. my dog is white. And they're both girls. Yeah. So my dog's white when she has black patches on her. And she has a black patch around one of her eye. And on, on that eye, she has black eyelashes. And on the other eye, she has white eyelashes. And it's the it's same the with same. her dog. She has the black patch on her eye. And uh, same thing. It's so crazy. So And doesn't Luna have like a little fleck of brown or something? She does. Okay. On her and patch, she has a has small that little too. fleck. 
Yeah. Leia, Leia has a little bit more, um, I call her Leia, but her name is Weya with a W, but I keep calling her Leia. Anyway, it's fine. Yeah. She, it's a, she, she loves it. I keep wanting to say Leia because then we're all else. Do it. Lacey, Lola, Lola, Luna, and Leia. <laughs> <laughs> That's the music intro. It should just be... <laughs> Oh my really stuck the mood for That's true crime. Hilarious. It's fine. Right. It's like um if you guys watch uh what is her name? Bailey Sarian, when she's like, Oh, I love her. She's so cute. You know, I know. She's so suspicious. Oh my god. I know, right? I think she's trademarked that. I can't use I can't say that. Oh, she should. She should. If she hasn't, then she should. You know she won't. She's too sweet. Copyright Bailey Sarian, like just <laughs> FYI, don't sue us. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so that is how we met and that is how we came together to create this true crime And now we're best podcast. friends after three weeks. Now we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> you are my best friends. So the cases we're going to be covering, sometimes they're going to be heavily, heavily religious, like I mean, cult of all cults, kind of religious. Um, pastors are going to commit murder, corruption, all of the things. But then sometimes the religion is going to be just vaguely tied to the case. We're going to try to really dissect how religion played a role in the case um, and how it helped or how it didn't help and kind of talk through that with the you know perspective of two people who grew up in religion and threw themselves into religion and then drug themselves right out. And listen to a lot of true crime. And listen to a lot of true crime. Yeah. So, and we're going to try to get into some psychology of the cases if we can. And uh, we want to be actual, like active true crime listeners. So we're going to bring some cases that are like still ongoing and kind of have some calls to action, whether that is reaching out to local representatives or police officers or... Signing petitions. Following certain people. Yeah, signing petitions. Yeah, donating to certain, um, yeah, what are those? GoFundMes for, you know, ongoing cases. There's a case right now that I'm following. Um, I don't want to talk about it for legal reasons um, at the moment, but as things kind of progress, um, that is definitely going to be a case that I want to cover because it's ongoing and this this family needs justice. And so we're going to really implore you guys to be active true crime listeners so we can make a change and a difference. Even though true crime is, you know, entertainment, it's also a, uh, yeah, it's always a call to action, to be honest. Because yes, even yeah. if it's, even if the person has received justice or their family has received justice, at the same time, we have to be self-aware and, and actively know what caused the downfall of this person to commit such a crime. How can we prevent this? How can we better support people that are being afflicted? you know, in the same manner. So it's it's entertainment, but it's educational too, kind of. Yes, very, very educational. Well, yeah, I not even kind of, I'd say very educational. And specifically for the religious true crime cases is how many times has religion just swept shit under the rug because, oh, that's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about that. Or that's going to completely take away all of our leadership and then we'll have nothing kind of thing. Yeah. Or that that deacon's a pedophile. Oh, let's just rehome him to a different church re-home. and sweep it under the rug. Yeah. That's what they do. They just rehome him. I don't know if I'm like, I'm sure it's a different word. I just thought about like having them in a kennel and just like, <laughs> is that what that thing's called? The little this one's, yeah, transportation like little device cage. for animals yeah, and you like just cat. Yes. shove them in there and, and they're like, <laughs> I'm ready to this spew indoctrination. 
this one's getting me trouble. Can you take it off my head? <laughs> this one keeps chewing on things. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> it keeps. Oh, gosh. But, but but seriously, like they 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 shove this shit under the rug time and time again. And so by, I feel like telling more and more of these true crime cases and bringing this shit to light. Yes, we understand. And we'll say this every week that we understand that these true crime cases are not a complete reflection of all religions, all denominations, and all religious people based off of the case that we're covering. We understand that a lot of this is the extreme. You know your Nana doesn't commit tax fraud in the name of the church. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know yeah. she doesn't have spiked boots about to kick a child in the nose. <laughs> Seriously, we, we understand. It's not all churches. It's not all people. But it's time that these cases get brought to light. And we talk about the religious aspects of it and, and talk about how it has harmed. But yeah, I think we're good. That is it. Um, that was a little longer than I expected for our first one. But That's fine. I think it was fun. I think it was fun. I think you guys will enjoy that one. And let's jump into the actual first case. So we'll see you guys in the next episode. Also, Heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on. And remember to bring your sacrifice to the blood ritual. Just kidding. A review will suffice. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cowell. Thanks for listening.